Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeehaw! Howdy, y'all. It is, uh, what day is it? It's Friday. It's Friday, July 7th. 7 7 7 7 Yeah. Not 27. 77. 7, no. I don't think we're still going to be here in 7 7 77. I hope I would be. 50, how many years is that? 54 uh, years from now? Carry the one. Yeah. Add the four. I don't know. Well, I'm pushing 40, so I'd yeah, be up there. really old. It's possible. You, you know, I don't know if you'd even make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I keep eating Sonic, right? Next week, yeah, Sonic and your French fries and your, your big sodas. Yeah, well, we'll see. Who knows? I'll just get to heaven before you, and then when you get there, I'll be able to say, hey, let me let me show you the ropes. Let me show you around. Yeah. You would like that, wouldn't you? You'd be all smug and smarmy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Well, uh, speaking of smug and smarmy, actually, I don't know. Man, it, we're in Job again, right? And we're in Job 35, 36, 37 today, and then in the New Testament, we're in Acts chapter 14, but we're dealing still in Job with this Elihu character. And you love him, don't you? I, I'm like, conflicted he's about my spirit Elihu. Animal. And we've talked about that. And the more I read of Elihu, the more I'm just like, dude, like what you're saying rings true. I just don't like the way you're saying it. The way you're saying it. He has some zingers though. There's a couple things that he said that I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Yeah. I had to step back and be like, I might memorize that and use that in counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in chapter 35, I mean, as we get into this, right? I, Elihu basically here, I think takes his approach to explaining why God had not answered Job. Um, and uh, he, he, he is, is he's right about what he says. He's defending God. And that's what is comfortable about reading Elihu is you don't feel like you have to read it and kind of go, Am I, is this true? Is this not true? Um, do I need to look side eye at this? It's largely he's, he's, he's true in what he's saying. He's right in what he's saying as he's defending God and condemning Job at the same time. Um, but he, he says there in verses 12 and following in chapter 35, as it's a shorter chapter, he says there, uh, there they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God does not hear an empty cry, nor does the almighty regard it. How much less when you say that you do not see him. So here you go, Joe, God's not going to hear somebody who cries with, with pride and arrogance in their heart. How much less? Is he going to answer you, Job, when you've already come out and, and gone on record and say, I, I don't even see him. Where is he? I, I can't find him. Um, and you're, quote unquote, waiting for him to uh, to respond. And then in verse 16, just the, the gut punch there, Job opens his mouth in empty talk and he multiplies words without knowledge. Which is exactly what God says. True. True. A right? couple chapters, like two chapters later, God says almost exactly the same thing. It, Right. And I'm good with it coming from God. I just am like, <laughs> dude, I mean, it, cause he's the young guy. He's the young man that's on the scene here. Yeah. And, and Job has been through it. I don't know, man, if God's quoting him, I mean, it's, it's not a direct reference, not a direct quotation, but I'd feel pretty, uh, I think I might have a reason to be smug. Is all I'm saying. You think God footnoted Elihu? <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, just to quote Elihu earlier, cause in chapter 40, God says almost exactly the same thing. Words without knowledge is the repeated phrase. Right. Right. No, I, I, again, I get it. And what he's saying is right. And he's, he's kind of putting Job in his place a little bit there. Yeah. Words without knowledge. We'll get to that. Uh, I think tomorrow in our, our DBR. That's right. Uh, chapter 35, chapter 36, 
Elihu goes off on God in a good way. Like, hey, let me tell you about God, right? There's a, a song out there by Jordan Armstrong called My God that that the the hook on it is, wait a second, let me brag on my God. Oh, yeah, I like that song. Right? Wait a second, let me brag on it's my catchy. God. Yeah, it is it's catchy. It's catchy. If preachers had walk-up songs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, we should try that. We shouldn't, Coming though. this Sunday, Compass NTX Soft Launch, walk-up songs for Pastor PJ. There we go. There we go. You think it's going to be, let me brag on my God. You just wait, though. <laughs> no, no, let's not do that. Let's, let's maybe not. Uh, but chapter 36, it's, it's the ESV title there. Ellie who extols God's greatness. There's a word for you, extol to lift high, to exalt, to praise. Um, and that's what he does in this whole chapter. And it does remind you a lot of, to your point, pastor out about what God himself says in chapters 39 and 40 about himself when he's kind of like, Hey, um, remember wh- who God is, is, is basically what his call is there. Verse five, behold, God is mighty and does not despise anyone. He's mighty in strength of understanding. Uh, verse eight, he desires repentance. If they're bound in chains and caught in the courts of affliction, he declares to them their work and their transgression transgressions that they are behaving arrogantly. He's, he's trying to lead them to repentance. He opens their ear to instruction and commands that they return verse 10 from iniquity. But then he gets in, on to, to the reactions of, of people to God's uh, hand against them in verses 13 and following. He says the godless, basically they hate the suffering. They cherish their anger against God when they're suffering. Um, the repentance instead, he, he delivers them. That line in verse 15, he delivers the afflicted by their affliction such an interesting perspective there, right? That it's that the affliction can be the source of deliverance there. PR, what do you think he's driving at with that statement? I think the great physician inflicts wounds that heal. And I think this is one of the lines that stopped me dead in my tracks as I read this. I thought, man, Elihu, you just said something that kind of shook me. I've, I've known this, but the way he says it, and for whatever reason, even though I read it probably dozens of times by now, I saw it differently. God often uses pain to produce healing. And only God really knows how to do that to perfection. But we can see the analogy in a human in a human area where, again, you have a doctor that drills a hole in your tooth to fill a cavity. You have another doctor who will break your bone in order to set it right. If human dentists and doctors can do this, why can't God do this to the nth degree? Which is exactly what Elihu's making his point here to. And he says, if he opens your ear by adversity. The very tool that God uses to humble us are painfully humbling. So, if you're in that season, and if you know what it is to suffer, know that God redeems all suffering for the Christian. There is no such thing as wasted pain in God's economy. And that's kind of where he goes with Job, though. He's, he's, he's indicting Job in verses 17 and on, on. Hey, you're so focused on just bringing an end to the suffering. Maybe you should stop and try to figure out what God's doing in the midst of the suffering. What is God right. trying to deliver you from here? What is God trying to communicate to you? He says in verse 20, don't long for the night, whether that's the, the night after a long day of suffering or whether that's death, which yeah. probably is more the, the night of death there. He's like, don't, don't long for that. Verse 22, God is the, ex- is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? In other words, Job, what's he trying to teach you through all this? Maybe you should be paying attention to that. Right. Remember to extol his work of which men have sung. Verse 24, God is great. And we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. So yeah, Job is, is being put in his place by, by Elihu here being called to think, uh, like you were saying, Pastor Rod, uh, suffering is never for nothing. Right. In fact, um, Elizabeth Elizabeth Elliot, I think, has a book by that title, Suffering is Never for Nothing, uh, that I would commend you to, to read on. Uh, and there's somebody who suffered a lot, right? The loss of not one, but two husbands um, and, uh, and going through everything that she went through and she suffered. But here, Elihu's calling Job to say, 
God's doing something with intentionality here. What is he doing? You need to pay attention. He's a teacher. What is he trying to teach you? Verse 37 continues with, with a lot more of the same, just proclaiming the the glory of God and exalting God. And and this is where we really kind of get some of the parallels there where he says, God thunders wondrously with his voice in verse five. He does great things we cannot comprehend. He talks about the snow here. God's going to talk about the snow. He talks about lightning. God's going to talk about lightning. He talks about rain. God's going to talk about rain. He talks about the storm in verse nine. God's going to talk about the storm. In fact, God's going to speak out of the storm as we're going to see. So there's a lot of parallels there uh, between Elihu and, uh, and Job there. So, um, Verse 14, kind of the summary statement there. Hear this, O Joe, stop and consider the wondrous works of God. Uh, The Almighty, verse 23, we can't find him. He's great in power, justice, abundant in righteousness. He will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. So that's that's kind of Elihu here. Yeah, and that last line in verse 37, chapter 37, verse 24, therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. And and whether or not God, I mean, God doesn't actually charge Job with this, but it's pretty clear. Ellie, who's at least hinting toward the fact, if not saying out, outright altogether, dude, you have proudly and arrogantly pushed God aside. You've you've charged God with evil or at least injustice, which is another form of evil. And I think Ellie, who's honest in the man, I don't, I don't like his presentation any more than you do. But Ellie, who's coming out swinging and he's landing some punches that I think are very fair and should, I hope, have really shook up Job. Yeah, I, yeah. Let's let's do it. I was listening of all things to a, an old Shane and Shane album called Psalms, right? And uh, it's the original one, way like way back, right when they were even still indie. And they've got they grab one from Psalm one one forty five there. And I was listening to it this morning, driving into the office, thinking about this and thinking about Job and everything that we're we've been going through here in Job. And I want to get your thoughts, PR, on this on how we reconcile a statement like this that David makes in Psalm 145 when he says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's good to all and his mercy is over all he has made. The the tension that exists, I think, is we read some statements like that about God and then we read what's happening in Job where there's almost this like, who do you think you are, Job, to be upset with God when God is doing these things? Like the sovereignty of God is stressed so abundantly in Job, which is a good thing, but it can almost seem like, man, is this the same God of Psalm 145? And, and of course we would say yes, but how do we begin to reconcile some of those things? Man, this is a, so I'll add to this too, to add to the tension that we're trying to explore here. One of the things that occurred to me as I was reading Job is that you have something that appears on the surface to be entirely superficial. God's trying to flex on the devil. And so he destroys a man or at least allows the devil to altogether destroy him, ruining his life, stealing his kids, uh, making his wife an adversary. This guy's life has been obliterated nearly to smithereens. And in all of this, God's not going to offer Job an explanation or a mea culpa. God is essentially saying, dude, who are you? I'm God. You're not. Sit down, kid. Let me do what I'm going to do. I've got good plans. Just trust me. Right. I look at that thinking, man, that's... Ah, man, don't pick a fight with the devil on my behalf, God. I'm good. Let me just right. sit back over here, stay out of my way. I, so to, to answer that, in short, here's here's a couple thoughts that occurred to me as I was working through this. One, God is God and I am not. We sing a song that basically says that. You are God and I am not. I think we forget as creatures the distance between us and God. And it's healthy for us to reflect on that and feel a deep sense of humility. We're not God. He's God. He gets to make the rules, and that means I don't. (laughs) I get to be part of his creation, and if I get good from God, then I should count myself as one who is thoroughly blessed. Secondly, I would also say this as, as, as a concluding thought here. On top of the fact that God is God and I am not, 
my role in this life is to do whatever brings him the most glory. And that's how I can say, well, I, I have something Job didn't have. I have the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, he gave everything for me. Will he not graciously with him grant us all things? Then if that's the case, I know God's love for me through the work of Christ. And therefore, I can look at Psalm 145, verse 8, say the Lord is gracious and, gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, that, that gives me great encouragement when I see what Jesus has done for me. But that by no means guarantees that I'm going to have a cushy life. God does not guarantee that. He is God. I am not. My job is to humbly submit to him and allow him to use me for his glory. That is my purpose. Right. And and that's, that is such a privilege that we have on this side of the cross that Job didn't get to enjoy. Um, and, and that's, it's hard though. That's so hard. It's so hard to be suffering and, so. and going through it and yet to read things like, okay, the Lord is gracious and merciful and steadfast and abounding in, in steadfast love when you don't feel it. And just to, to allow faith to engage, right? And uh, and and kick in there and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to believe that because like you said at the outset there, he's God and I'm not. Whew. And he's doing something in my life that I can't understand. Or even appreciate Maybe right. on, maybe until the other side of heaven when when you die. Right. Even then, I wonder if through all creation or through all eternity, rather, you'll still be exploring the depths of God's purposes and For His sure. understanding, His wisdom. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a, an interesting sidebar. Speaking of eternity, right? I used to think growing up, man, as soon as I get to heaven, I'm going to know everything. But <laughs> omniscience is not a shared attribute of God. That's right. So we're going to spend eternity learning more and more and more, and never fully understanding everything. Well, what's so cool about that thought is because the ocean of God's knowledge is infinite, we will continue to grow in knowledge for the rest of our eternal existence, but never find the end of it. That's yeah. exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Some of you guys that didn't like school are like, I don't mind. No. No. <laughs> You'll like it, I promise. I promise you will. Hey, Acts chapter 14, our New Testament reading, uh, we finished the first missionary journey here. And so Paul and uh, and Barnabas are traveling around. They're now in Iconium and they enter this Jewish synagogue. Um, and uh, again, something happens there as they're speaking the word, a great number of both Jews and Greeks, it says in verse one, believed. Uh, but there's uh, 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 some some skepticism that the, the unbelieving Jews are there. They're trying to stir up opposition. And the Lord, it says here, and here's again, that the miracles validate the message. The, the Lord, it says, bore witness to the words, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So here you have uh, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas able to do these miracles, these signs and wonders. For what purpose? It's God bearing witness to the word. God's mm. bearing witness to the content, the message. It's not to say, hey, if you have enough faith, you're going to be healed or, if, you know, double blessing or it's none of that. It's look, the, the message needed to be validated and God was allowing Paul and Barnabas to do these miracles to make it happen. Um, but things aren't all roses for them. They begin to face opposition. They face persecution. They're driven out. Uh, and yet it says in verse seven, they continue to preach the gospel no matter where they're going. They end up at, at Lystra um, there and uh, and they come up, uh, across a man. Now, this is interesting. They come across a man and they heal him. But did you notice, Pastor Rod, they, they didn't mention Jesus in the healing uh, what what would you call that? Uh, the healing event. Yeah, the healing event. They they, they didn't say in, by the power of Jesus or in the name of Jesus be healed. And I, I don't know if there's a correlation there, but the the crowd that sees this happen, they immediately begin to try to worship Paul and Barnabas, right, and ascribe deity to them. Mm. I, again, I, I'm reading where there's silence there, but but I did notice a commentator said, hey, they didn't mention Jesus' name here anywhere. And then the crowd reacts and says, hey, these are our two gods among us. Interesting. Um, 
they they try to talk them down. There's an appeal to common grace there. Uh, common grace is different than than special grace um, in the sense that common grace is like the rain that falls. And that's what he says here. He says, uh, you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. He allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness for he did good by giving rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. In other words, you should have been able to see God. Still, they, they don't want to listen to this and they they are are almost ready to uh, still worship them as gods then these these jews come from antioch and iconium and they stir up the crowds and and they drag paul out of the city and they stone him leaving him for dead this was amazing yeah i i I was i was so i mean tickled would be a sad word to use for paul's sake but right these people are ready to offer sacrifices on the one hand moments before and then in the next hand they're trying to kill the guy I thought that whatever these guys said, these Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they were really persuasive. Right. Don't come to our church, please. Whoever you people are, please stay where you are and don't do this. Right. Right. For sure. And they stone him and they, they suppose that he's dead. And then it says there, but but the disciples gather about him and he rises up and enters the city. What a boss move. Totally. And and, <sighs> and let's not think that like these guys were bad at stoning. Like they, they had done this before. They knew what it was to stone a person to death. Uh. And they... Looked at Paul and presumed that he was dead. Oh, we got him. Yeah. So it's not as though Paul was like, is that, a, is that all you got? <laughs> Step at me, bro. Come, Come on. Me. Or Catch that they ran outside. out of rocks. <laughs> like he's, he's bloodied in, in a pulp on the ground and he gets up and he goes back in the city and he's like, where was I? Let oh, me keep preaching. Dude. And he keeps going. Give me that Lord. And he's strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Man, he's Tell me li- that didn't preach. Right. He's living the message. He's out, got right? bloody eyes and his face is disfigured. And he's like, yeah, through many tribulations, guys, this is what it's going to be. Right. Totally. I love that mentality. Totally. Yeah. So encouraging. And yeah, encouraging for, for us to think about that too. Um, and then they come back to Syrian Antioch there at the end of chapter 14. And that marks the end of the first missionary journey for them. And then the next chapter, which we'll hit tomorrow, uh, gets into, okay, what do we do with all these Gentile converts now? Because the Gentile converts are mixing with the Jewish believers. And there's a lot of differences there culturally. And there's a lot of differences when it comes to the law. And we're going to have to deal with that in our next episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm, so much to talk about there. One quick note here in, in, in his time in Lystra, his preaching the gospel does not sound like what you would expect it to sound like today. Mm. He starts where they are. The people of Lystra were pagans and they worshiped different gods. And so he doesn't start with, hey, God created everything and he sent Abraham and then David. He starts with the common grace, what they can see, what they can observe. And that's where he begins. And that's kind of where I think a lot of us have to start today when we talk to other people about Jesus. We're not dealing with people who are uh, theologically trained or even aware of how Christianity functions. Therefore, be sensitive to your audience. Know where to begin with your audience. Yeah listen listen with ears that are are eager for the cross right that's right spurgeon never said it although it was attributed to him that every time he opened the bible he made a beeline for the cross <laughs> but for us as we're listening to our neighbors talk to us or our family members talk to us or our co-workers talk to us man it, we, we need to be ready to make a beeline to the cross with any open door that we get so uh yeah Look for those opportunities. We're praying for those opportunities for you. Hopefully, you're praying for them too. And uh, we're going to wrap up here because we got a fly buzzing around my office. Speaking so, of bees. Yeah. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we will catch you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Howdy, y'all. That's, that's not a thing. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.